everybody. First of all, well, uh, thank you for your poems. Uh, I, I got a bunch of poems, uh, Hebrew poetry. Last week is the Mount Sinai of the Bible because of indisputable, I'll say that again, indisputable archaeological evidences. Uh, it, is, it is indisputable. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk much about Mount Sinai and those evidences in part one. I'm going to save them all for part two. When is part two? No idea. I mean, it could be a couple years away. And so because of that, I'm going to give some teases uh, for, for, for this in just a moment. But first of all, the major, there's two major objections for why Jabal al-Laws is not the biblical Mount Sinai. One, it's because it's not the one that Constantine's mom pointed at in the Sinai Peninsula. That's one objection. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, the other one is it's not a volcano. See, the thing is, is when you look at the biblical imagery of God descending and meeting with Moses in this thick, dark cloud and the thunder and lightning, um, it looks like this. It looks like this. This is, this is a volcanic, uh, uh, I think that's called dirty lightning, when the lightning is in the volcanic ash clouds and stuff like that. I think this is Iceland specifically, but there's, the, you, you just Google this. They're, they're everywhere. And it, this, but this is the imagery that it, it looks like you're, you're hearing about while you're reading about God meeting with Moses on, on Mount Sinai. The Jabal Allah's is not volcanic. Now, because of the similarities, I would say, well, okay, the, the real Mount Sinai needs to be a, a volcano. But unless, unless there are obvious, inescapable archaeological evidence that prove without a doubt where God's people were meeting and where those events take place. And there are. There, there are so much of them. To this day, you can see the remains on the ground of the campsite almost as if uh, they'd gotten away with it. Or j they just walked away recently. Remember, this is in the middle of nowhere. Nobody goes here. It's just, it's just out in the middle of nowhere. So what, what you're seeing here on the top couple of pictures, that would be the area where the altar was for the golden cow. And it, and, uh, it would have been there. You see the little Egyptian bovine sketches, if you can, really, um, up on the, uh, on the rock there. The, the real Mount Sinai, Jabal Allah has got that darkened uh, top there uh, on on that picture down below, um, pillar pieces. The the Bible says you've got uh, they put twelve put up twelve pillars, one for each of the tribes, and you've got all these carved pillar pieces in the middle of nowhere. Again, nobody goes here. And then you've got Moses's altar at the base of the mountain, where the Bible says it was a burnt offering um, Hebrew altar, right at the base of the mountain uh, of Jabal al Laz. Still there. You can zoom in on it, Google Earth, and see that little shape. It's uh, it, have fun with that. But but um, there's other things. There's the boundary markers strategically placed around the mountain where the, they said, okay, we're going to put boundary markers. We can't get any closer. Um, there has to be a cave there. There's a cave there. Elijah stayed there when, when he was having his chat with God on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Um, yeah, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's fenced off. Jabal Allah's. That's, uh, we'll talk about that more whenever we get to part two. There's a split rock where water rushed out of. Okay. Got it, right? It's, uh, so uh, I'm, just, I'm just teasing that forward just because um, we, we may not know where we're starting from. There's two locations, uh, potential Red Sea crossings, the right one and the wrong one, depending on who you are. You, you might have a different opinion on which one's right and which one's wrong. But we have one destination that we're going to. So we know where we're going on this journey, uh, even if we don't know exactly where the starting point is. Uh, on the map here, you can see the two possible uh, routes, 
roots. I don't know what, what way to say it. Uh, you've got the red one and the right one. <laughs> I mean the blue one. Uh, so you've got the, the, the red one. Uh, if I kind of look at it, it kind of looks like a, a, maybe a griffin or a, um, some sort of mythical dragon dinosaur. Maybe Barney. I don't know. But, um, but you've, got, you've got the two paths. Now, those would be the paths. Depending on if they were coming out of the Nueva Beach crossing, the red line, it would be going down there, turning, and then going inland through that wadi, and then up around the top to Jabal al-Laws, which is circled in green. Uh, if it's the Tyrian, Tyrian Strait crossing, uh, this would be the route that they would be going uh, up to Jabal al-Laws. Again, the picture's from Google Earth. The drawings are from yours truly. Uh, now, just taking the map one step further, I put some purple stars and circles, <laughs> because why not? Um, basically, the purple stars and circles are where the events are taking place today, depending on which route you're, you're on. Uh, we are going to be looking at the time where God's people get to Mara, the bitter springs of Mara, and where God does a miracle there. I don't want to give it away, but I just did. Uh, that's going to be the purple star, and then finally, the, the chapter is going to end with them arriving at Elim, or Elam, depending on how you want to... Uh, pronounce that, Elam, Elim, and that's the, the purple circle there. So that's kind of where we're at um, geographically. I know that that's two different locations, but okay, whatever, whatever line you can imagine yourself at going to the star, first, first, first of all here. Let's look at it. I'm going to be looking, uh, starting to read here at Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22, and really I think it's only about five or six verses here that we're going to be looking at today. Let's see what happens at these locations. Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days. Okay, tuck that away. Three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could, they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter. That is why it was named Marah. The people grumbled. They grumbled to Moses, what are we going to drink? So he, Moses, cried out to Yahweh, and Yahweh showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. It's like chocolate, putting it in milk. It became drinkable. Yahweh made a statute and ordinance for them at Marah, and he tested them there. He said, you will carefully, if you will carefully obey the Yahweh your God, do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands, and keep all his statutes. I will not inflict any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the I am who heals you, or I am Yahweh healer of you. I am Yahweh the one who heals you. Name of God right there, name of, name of God. Then they came to Elim, or Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the water. Okay, the spiritual lesson, the spiritual lesson has to do with the journey and, and the uncomfortableness that, that these people are feeling. It's, we're talking about how to respond when life is uncomfortable, when it's, when it's, um, when it's awful, when it's disappointing, when it's downright miserable. That's the context of this moment here. Now, I know going through this that it's only been three days since they've seen the most incredible God moment. Uh, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say the most incredible, but one of the, at least the top 
15 God, incredible God moments of their lifetime. Um, it's, it's just an extraordinary moment where God had parted the Red Sea and they'd walk through on dry ground. And it just this amazing miracle. And, and you're sitting here thinking, three days, it's only been three days and already they're grumbling. Like, what are the, what's the deal? How can you be grumbling after only three days since God did this obvious and incredible miracle? Just three days and already grumbling. Now, there's a lesson here. It's not our main lesson for today, but there's a lesson here about the need to remember and the need to keep things in perspective. The need to remember and the need to keep things in perspective. Now, again, it's not our focus, but guys, when God speaks to you, either in dreams or maybe while I'm talking and you're feeling God's nudge or you're reading your Bible and you're feeling nudge or you're in prayer time and you're feeling God's guiding or somebody comes up to you and, and they, says something to you, they say something to you and you're like, oh yeah, I think that's God speaking to me through this other person. When he speaks to you, it's like he speaks to you with disappearing ink. It's amazing how fast, hours maybe, that, that we can hear uh, this word of encouragement, maybe in our Bible read-through time, and then it's just, it just, it's just gone. Maybe a day, maybe. Sometimes it just disappears so fast. It's amazing how fast it can go out of our mind. How fast we can, let, uh, we can forget the encouragements of God or the directions of God. And I, I think the same is true not just with getting a word from God, but also connected to the help of God. The help of God. It seems true to me that... The help of God, when God helps you, it's also written on our memories with disappearing ink. It, it, and unless we capture those words from God, unless we capture the, the memories of God's help by transferring it from our minds onto paper or from our minds into some app, <laughs> I use day one, uh, some app or journal of some sort, we will forget most everything that God speaks to us shockingly quickly. And because we will forget most everything that God speaks to us or, or we'll forget how he has helped us in most of the norm, normal ways, we will have no long-term benefit or long-term encouragement for the vast majority of God's words to us and God's help to us. I have in my, in my uh, journal well over 400 uh, recorded God thought, potential God thought words um, that to be sifting through, whether it's dreams or people or people have sped, said to me or impressions or in Jesus' time. Um, again, in my app, I, I have over 400 of those from the last three years. I used to write in paper before that, but I'm always reviewing my journal. I'm always reviewing this because it's amazing how quickly I can forget these really important God, God words. In, in fact, when I was writing this on Thursday, uh, typing along, I get to this point, full stop, I was like, hmm, I, I know that I have something written down from Monday, three days ago. I wonder what that was. So I went back and I looked at it. It was completely out of my mind. Like, I'm reading it as if reading for the first time. You know, sometimes you read something, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah I know where this is going. That's right. But it was like everything. I was like, what? It was like my eyes were wide. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's after we're done. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. I did, I did hear that. And, and that is what I was writing down. But it was completely gone. Last night, I'm, I'm reviewing, and I stop here. And I'm like, I just want to see what, 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 has, what I've heard from in November. And so I pull over my app, and I start reading through. It's, it's, it's scary how fast we can completely forget significant things that God has said to us, to us in whatever different ways, through people or, or whatever, uh, the powerful things that he's said to us, powerful uh, encouraging things that he's said to us, focusing things, and, and it, can, it can just be so stunning how 
fully, that stuff can leave our minds and our memories. Unless we capture it. Now, I understand that that's true of words from God. It's also true of, of the times that God helps us to intervene. Now, okay, the Red Sea, that, is, that should be more than a three-day memory, right? Like, like, that's kind of a big one. If that one doesn't stick in your um, memory more than three days, I think you need to go see your GP. But anyways, so, so you've got this, this three-day memory. But friends, when, you, when you're suffering, right, or when you're in pain, or if you're just feeling strained or, or worried, you're, those, those encouragements of God, those memories of God, they get out of your mind exponentially quicker. And it is amazing, it's amazing how quickly they, they disappear. Picture these guys, they're walking. They're walking for days. They're walking for days in 35, 40 degree heat that time of year in that arrogant, yeah, I googled it. So you know, they're, they're walking along and, and, it, and it's, not, it's not just them though. It's not like just somebody like you. You're talking to their parents, their grandparents, their kids, their goats, their sheep, their cows, I, I know, just whatever, they, whatever they've got, they're, they're all walking, and, and is it maybe they're, they're, there's not a lot of water, and maybe they could be tough, but you know, their kid, and, and, or their, 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 their kid, their goat, uh, or, their, or their grandparents, or their, or their parents, or, or whatever, this, the uncomfortableness is extreme, because they're not just thirsty, but they're walking, they're journeying, and, and yeah, I mean, if, if you ever wondered how can they be journeying so far with so little water, uh, milk, right? You've got the animals, there's the milk there, uh, better hydration. Anyways, but anyways, a super uncomfortable time. And, and to top that all off, in all of that uncomfort and all that suffering, finally you see that there's a spring ahead. How do you know there's a spring ahead? Because there's nothing and then there's trees. That's how you know, okay? Nothing. Like dirt rocks, nothing, and then trees. And everybody can see this. Like, and they're, they're straining to see this, and they're like, yes, water is up ahead. And you know what it's like to get your hopes up about something and, get, and, and to be like, finally, we're, we're low on water. This has been awful and uncomfortable, and I just can't wait to get to this water. And then you get there, and you find out that the trees love it, but for people, it's undrinkable. It, it's bitter. And, and that disappointment, it is, even though it's only been three days, how quickly we can crack. When, when, we're, when we're uncomfortable, when we're tired, super disappointed. Just super disappointed at what we hoped for, what we held out for and hope it didn't come to pass. Now God, in the Bible, calls this moment a test in verse 25. Calls it a test. He says, he, Yahweh, tested them there. He, test, now there was, there's two parts of the test. There's what they were living through and their response. And then also he sets up a, he, he gives them a promise in, in, this, word, uh, in this word about health and, and not getting the sicknesses of, of Egypt. But the question right now is, you know, God says this is a test, this uncomfortable moment. Do you process your life this way? Do you process your life this way when crisis happens? When disappointment happens, when, when it flares up, when money runs low, your holiday are canceled, Christmas is ruined. It is not ruined yet. Keep going. I declare not phase four Christmas or tier four Christmas. I don't even know what words we're using anymore. Yeah, this is like, okay, we're, we're pressing forward. We're going to get away from the Christmas theme before people start crying. Uh, you, find yourself, you find yourself isolated and alone or, or for whatever reason. You ever think of this as, as being tested? 
tested. There's two main paths when you're feeling all these things and you're, and you're feeling tested. The first path, which the nation did here, is to grumble. That's, that's the natural thing. And, and, and if you look at the passage, it seems to work. Grumbling works. And God answers their grumbling. See you next week. No, there's more to say. But yeah, the grumbling works. They get what they want. They get what they want. They grumble. God does a miracle. They can drink the water. And then on top of that, not only does he do a miracle, but they get this amazing promise of God in that moment. A, a promise said without threat. Most of the promises of God are like, if you do this, then I'll treat you this way. But if you don't do this, then I will do this thing to you. Uh, but in this case, it leaves off the bad bit. You know, it's just like, if you do this, then you'll have this blessing. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's kind. Which is such a nice, such a nice, uh, nice moment here. And, and in, that, in that blessing there, God basically says if they're careful to obey him, he's going to keep all the illnesses, not all illnesses, but all the illnesses that struck down the Egyptians in the plagues, that, that he's going to keep them from getting any of those sicknesses here. And we see that God reveals to them in this moment of grumbling, where he answers their grumbling and answers their prayer, he reveals to them a very amazing part of his, who he is. He reveals a name to them that I am Yahweh who heals you. I am Yahweh who heals you. One of the staple, well, I mean, I, I don't even, that's not the right word. One of the cover-to-cover -cover concepts uh, about who God is and his nature is he is the God who heals you. All three persons of the Trinity get attributed to healing. The Holy Spirit as healer. Jesus heals. Uh, the, the Father, Yahweh, we, the one who heals you. All the Godhead uh, have this healing aspect. It's part of the name of God. It's one of those things that you can just anchor. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is the God who heals you? Let's do a heart check. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to take your hand and place it on something on yourself that needs healing, that, that, that you would like to see healing. Maybe it's your eyesight, maybe it's headaches, maybe it's uh, maybe your, your mind, uh, maybe some mental illness stuff, maybe your heart, maybe your emotions. Well, uh, for emotions, you can just put them on your heart or something like that. Uh, stomach issues, uh, eyes, eyesight, knees, legs, I don't know. Just s something, just something. Now, I declare to you that Yahweh is the one who heals you. The Holy Spirit declares himself as a healer. Jesus as healer. This is a fundamental, repeated concept of God. Okay? And he's the one who answers prayers. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask God to be who he is to you, to you and heal you now in that moment or in this moment. And I want you to say, Jesus, spirit of Jesus, heal me right here, right now. And I'm basing this on who the Bible says you are. You are a healer. So I ask you, Heal me now, right now. Now you might be feeling resistance here. Faith, faith resistance. Maybe because you're like, I don't know why God would heal me. No, keep your hands there. That's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you in a moment. But uh, keep, you know, like, you're like, why would God heal me? I don't, I don't know if he would, he I mean, I understand that he's healer, but it, I don't know. This seems like it's beneath him, or this seems like, or maybe I, I feel like I'm not. 
you know, there. Those are lies. Let's just grab onto the truth that's in the Bible that God is healer. And so in the name of Jesus, I, I speak healing over you in Jesus' name. Uh, that, that, you're, that you would be healed. Now, in the name of Jesus, God of the Bible. Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I, I, I look at your word and I say that you are God who heals, that you are the God who heals me, you are the God who heals us, and so be who you are to the people on, in this church, be who you are to anybody listening now or in the future, and bring your healing power now upon them powerfully, fully, and completely in the name of Jesus. I speak life over you in the name of Jesus. I speak, I speak healing over you in the name of Jesus. If a miracle is needed, I speak miracles over you in the name of Jesus. Health, healing in Jesus' name. Now I want you again to ask Jesus to come and heal you right here. Amen. Now, how, I, I, I want you to process how you, how you dealt with that Bible truth when it came to applying it to yourself. You can assess your own. We're not, we're not, don't tell me. We're not, we're not worried about that. Like, what was your faith levels? I mean, I'm just looking at the Bible. God says he's this way and saying, okay, then let's believe that. And let's, let's ask that for, our, for us and for our situation. As you struggled with that, or if you may have struggled with faith in that area, think about why. What is it about that? There, there's going to be some, some things there that you're going to want to address and pray through and say, God, increase my faith. And, and maybe it has to do with identity issues, self-doubt issues, worthiness issues, loved issues by God. You're loved, you're cherished, but maybe you feel not that way at all. Anyways, that's free. I need to get back to this message. Okay, they grumble. And it works. Okay, that's where we were at. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at now in the notes. That, that bit is, is free. But uh, it'll be fun to read the testimonies. It'll be fun to read the testimonies. Send those in. Okay, um, so they're grumbling. It works. It's brilliant. And even though they get what they want on that day, that's because of the grace of God. It's because of the patience of God. It's because of the compassion of God. It's part of God's goodness. But if, if we were to stop here talking about grumbling, we'd be like, Fantastic. Grumbling is the way to get what you want and, and, and to get God's breakthrough in your life. Um, apparently so. But let's keep talking through the story beyond part one of our Moses series just really briefly. Okay, so they grumble and God gives them water. Next week, they grumble and God gives them food. He gives them food. What is it exactly, right? So he gives them food. And then, then time's going to go by and then they're going to grumble because they want meat. Okay, and God's like, okay. Meat, fine. It's coming out of your nose, right? And, and, and so he gives them enough meat uh, for a month, and, and, but then he, he gives them the meat, but he, he curses it. And the, a plague breaks out in this meat. And, and so people die. Lot, thousands die because of this, this plague uh, of meat. And then they get to the promised land, and, and, they, and they grumble because the people are big, and the, and the, and the cities are big. And so God's like, okay, uh, I'll give you what you want again. But you don't want to go in there and face those scary people, fine. You stay out here and die uh, for the next 40 years, and then I'll take your kids in there to deal with the big scary people, okay? So uh, I'll give you what you want. And in each time, God gives them what they grumble about, and yet his frustrations and, and patience are, are uh, frustrations going up, patience going down, and, and that's not what you want. 
you, you get what, he, they're getting what they want, but, but it's, not, it's getting worse and worse every time. When you feel like grumbling, consider it a heart test. Consider it a heart test, a God test. Yeah, it's, it's more than getting what you want. I mean, maybe you'll get what you want, but it's, it turns out to be maybe worse than you, you hoped it would be. Grumbling is normal. It's the natural response to unpleasant moments, to uncomfortable moments, awful season. Grumbling is normal, but there's a better way. There, there's a better way that God encourages us to respond in those tough moments. Paul writes about it all the time. And when it comes to awful moments, Paul is the expert. Paul knows what it's like to be shipwrecked. He knows what it's like to cling on to debris in the open sea for a day and a night. He knows what it's like to be thrown in jail when he hadn't done anything wrong because of false accusation and be in that jail for years. He knows what it's like to, to be illegally stoned, illegally beaten, illegally uh, imprisoned. Illeg he, he, he knows unfair and awful. Like, he is the expert of every reasonable, more than reasonable uh, excuse to be a grumbler. He, he has it awful. And, and yet he writes about grumbling. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 2. At Philippi, an, uh, where he was awfully, awfully treated. He said, do everything without grumbling and arguing. And he goes on and on. Do everything without grumbling. Okay? So, okay, this is the expert who has every reasonable reason to grumble. So he says, no grumbling, again, remembering that it's a test, but let's say we, we want change to happen. We, we want something to change because our situation is awful. How do we go about appealing to God to bring that change without grumbling? Well, Paul goes on to write. He goes in the same, same book a few verses later, in chapter 4, he says, okay, don't worry. Do everything without grumbling. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer. And petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. He's going to say that again. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, three words. Three words. Prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. <clears throat> that's, the, that's the strategy. And they come with different postures. So the early church, the prayer posture of the early church is this. Now I say early church, for the, until the Middle Ages, this is the prayer posture. It's this receiving posture. It's the Jesus, here I am posture. Pour into me. Whatever you, whatever, like you want to give me guidance, here I am. I'll take the guidance. You want to give me healing, here I am. Pour in the healing. You want to, you want to just, just, uh, I don't know, what, what, else, what else is there? Um, you know, like, just here I am, Jesus. This is the prayer posture, the prayer posture. You want to give me strength? You want to give me understanding? You want to give me wisdom? I'm, I'm here. It's, you're my king. What do you think I need? The prayer posture. The, the next posture is the petition posture, and that's what we think of as the prayer posture, but it's actually the petition posture. It's the please, Jesus, help me. It's the begging, the pleading posture. And this is good. This is, this is good. This is an okay thing to do. It is okay to plead with all of your strength. Think of Jesus in the garden, blood, sweat, and tears uh, pouring off, 
off of his head. You know, it's like he's just pleading. If there's any other way, it is okay to be in the pleading posture about your life and your situations and to, and to see change break through. So you have the prayer posture, you have the pleading posture, and then you have the thanksgiving posture. The, the hand on the heart, the hand on the heart, like from the bottom of my heart, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful to you, God. I'm so thankful. Now, you might point with one finger. Maybe you're like, that's not good enough. I want to point with all five fingers. You, I'm so thankful. I want to point with all ten fingers. So thankful. You know, so, it's like, but it's a, a, that thankful, that thankful posture. Uh, thankful prayers bring about more answered prayers. Look at the great prayers of the Bible, the Psalms. Often you see thankfulness connected with asking and petitioning, but it's all interwoven. Remember, Jesus gave thanks. And then he broke the bread and it multiplied. He, 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 he's part of the fish and, and, and it multiplied and he, and he fed thousands. He gave thanks and then that happened. So here's the deal. Let's say you're not enjoying life. It's 2020. And there's some reasons that you can think of based on life this year to, to maybe grumble. And, 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 and you're struggling. You're struggling. You, you feel like you want to, to grumble because you're uncomfortable, you're disappointed, maybe you're worried, maybe you're, you're fearful. Everything is just feeling grumbly. Take the lesson here from Moses and Paul and Jesus. And, and sure, you could grumble to God and maybe get what you want. Might be okay. Or you might end up getting more than you were, were hoping for, or, and it may come back to bite you. But the better way, when you're feeling grumbly, is to do these three prayer postures, but I suggest doing them in reverse order from how we read them. Starting with thankfulness. God, I am so thankful for this and for this and this. And then going into petitioning. Please intervene in my situation and help me. And then the prayer posture. Here I am, Jesus. I'm here to receive from you whatever you think I need right now. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's perseverance. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's a miracle. God, thank you. Thank you. Please help me. Here I am to receive. Are you being tested? Are you being tested by this year? Are you being tested in your life right now? I'm so sorry. I get that it's no fun. Here's the challenge for you. The challenge is make a personal commitment to refuse to grumble about anything. Make a personal commitment to refuse to grumble about anything. Instead, to pray about your disappointments and frustrations sometime in the next 24 hours using these three prayer postures. Start with and, and do the postures. Thankfulness. Jesus, thank you. Pleading, Jesus, help me. Jesus, here I am. I'm here to receive whatever you would give to me. In fact, let's practice that right now. Would you, would you close your eyes? And, and let's just start with a thank, thankful posture. Thankful posture. I'm doing it. Do it join, join with me. Join with me. And I want you to just... Bring up some thankful, say, say a thankful prayer to Jesus right now. Jesus, I'm so thankful. And why? And now the, the pleading posture. Pleading posture. Jesus, help me. And then tell him what you want him to help you with. Jesus, help me. 
And then the receiving posture, the prayer posture. Here I am, Jesus. I'm here to receive whatever you want to give me right now. Holy Spirit, come.